Hi, and welcome back to Transvox. Uh, I'm Gillian, and I'm looking forward to talking to a, um, a different voice at the other end of the um, Zoom call, because today I'm talking to Ellen Mello. Now, uh, Jen, my colleague in crime, is having the week off, and um, I met Ellen some while ago, and um, Ellen is an interesting person, very strong views, which I'm looking forward to hearing very much about, and uh, an author. And so it'd be great to find out more about her, what she's up to, what she does, what she thinks, and more importantly, what she's written and how we can get your paws on it. So first of all, hello, Ellen, how are you? Hi, Jill. I'm, I'm not too bad, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. Now, that's one of those classic, how are you, I'm not too bad, because I know you're not very well. So that's very great of you to say. I'm actually, I mean, yes, yeah, I have the odd uh, health issue. But actually, I'm feeling really pretty good today. Good. I'm um, scared. I I read a, a, a you know on Facebook earlier on today. Uh, my memory on the memories came up, and one of them was uh, was about today four years ago. I was deciding you know to be done with this being miserable stuff. Yeah. Um. I'd spent you know several months just being really down and depressed. And I was sick of it. So I yeah. decided that I was going to make a change. Yeah. And I kind of feel the same way today. Good. Um, things are going pretty well. Yeah. So well, first yeah, of all, first I'm of okay. all, I'm glad to hear it. Well, so first of all, for those of the those of you who are living in a, under a rock, um, uh, let you better um in, and can't quite place the accent, you better tell us where in the world you are today. <laughs> well, you probably can't place the accent because I don't have a very strong one. I, I'm actually I'm from Newcastle Fontaine, up in the northeast of England. God's chosen city, I I hear tell. So I am led to believe, but that's a whole football thing, and yeah, I don't do football. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's a joy to um to be talking to you across the ocean. Oh no, I mean across the river, because I'm in Gateshead <laughs> today. So there you go. <laughs> well, it's tell us very about sunny it. from your background in Gateshead. I know you don't see palm trees often here, but there you go. It's the metro centre after all. So tell <laughs> us a little bit about yourself, Ellen. What is it that you do? Who are you? Right. Well, um, I, as as you said, my, my main the main thrust of my life is my writing, certainly at the moment. But you know, uh, I, I make my living working in the NHS as a system admin, um, which is it's okay. I don't hate it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a writer. I'm I'm a trans woman. I first started a transition eight years ago. I think I lose track of time. Yeah. It's somewhere around there. Um, and yeah, I'm you know loving being who I am and. As, as you said, I have very strong views about a lot of things, um, but I promise I will not be controversial today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, that, like, that, that, that's a promise that's going to last three and a quarter seconds. Yeah, that was a, it was a complete lie. <laughs> I just have to say EHCR, and I'm sure you'll be off. Oh, yes, yes, yes. See? See? There you go. Well, first of all, um, I mean, tell us, if you don't mind, um, you talked about transition from about eight years ago. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a joy for me meeting you because you were so far ahead of my own journey. Um, do you have any? Do you have any advice for those people at the moment who are looking at the current sort of political climate and wondering whether they should transition or not? What What would be What would be your words of advice, caution? What would you say to them if they're thinking um, about going through the process? It is currently, I mean, certainly in the UK, um, it's 
possibly the worst time in a very long time to transition. But at the same time, that shouldn't stop you yeah. because that's what they want. Yeah, and right. I agree. Um, it, it, takes, it takes a lot of strength to even get to the position of considering transition. And so um, actually doing it is in a way it's a small step and once you are into the community you will find a huge amount of support and care and love um i know i did when i first came out i try and do the same to for others um there are people i i talk i i'm talking to at the moment who are just very early on in the process um and yeah, I, I try and support them, but I try and be realistic about them. I mean, mm. that is a reason that people call the UK Turf Island. Mm. Um, so be wary, but go for it because you will. It will make you happier than you've been than you than you've been, than you are at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's so, it. It's the it's the short term inconvenience with the long term satisfaction yeah. and, and you know and, contentment. And and this will not last. Mm. Um, this level of bigotry burns itself out. It can't. It's it's not sustainable. Um, and and the best way of ensuring that it burns out faster is to be open and proud of who you are. Yeah. And don't let them grind you down. And I think I think politically as well. You know, I, I didn't swear then. You didn't. I'm very very impressed. But politically, I think also there's something for our our world, our community to 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 engage with our ally base a little as well, isn't it? As oh yeah, we, I have, we have allies, don't we? There are people out there. We, we, we hear a narrative of how awful things are, but there are a lot of people out there who are, are on, on oh, our side. The vast vast majority of people are, if not supportive. Um, certainly not negative. Yeah. Um, the 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 I mean, the the use the most people think live and let live. You know, yeah. if if you are if you are a trans woman, then fine. Go and have go and have a pee in the toilet. Go and do whatever. Um, the narrative around sports is different because then the there is whilst. Because the whilst the science is on the side of trans people, mm. um, it's really difficult to get that science across. And so, yeah. the, the feeling that somebody who is assigned male at birth and has had testosterone in their system, um, probably has an advantage. Yeah, is it's quite a natural one. Yeah, even though you know, it's probably it, it is not probably it is wrong after. Yeah. What the, is it? Eighteen months, two years, something like that. Then, then you know that the any any enhancements that a trans woman may have got from uh, from having testosterone in her system has gone. And 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 as someone who is working in the NHS, I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure you'd probably want to say something about the way that the trans NHS process works in terms of <laughs> how it's meant and to work, as opposed to how it currently works. It currently doesn't work. Yeah. Um. I. It's. As I. I went when I went through it. Um. 
to be honest, I had a really easy time. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me, it was about a year and a half before I got my initial, my first, um, my, my first, in, my first appointment. Right. After that, it was fairly smooth. But that I, I'm aware that I am an anomaly, frankly, mm-hmm. um, because I am very much the stereotypical looking femme woman, femme trans woman. Um, there was no question about, you know, about whether or not there were any issues. Yeah. But now, I mean, uh, it's, I mean, even if, even if, if, if I was starting now, then, you know, I would be absolutely screwed as, and it's, it's appalling. And, it needs completely overhauling and, um, well, it, not just overhauling, it needs raising to the ground and starting again, frankly. Yeah. And um, and I guess for most people, you have the choice to to sit and wait. And if you're young enough, that's absolutely fine. Or go private. Uh, and there's all sorts of arguments why, you know, uh, morally or ethically, private's r- wrong or bad. But, but yeah. they are the choices, effectively. Or... Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I guess the, the the things I suppose the um, the recent announcement about uh, hormone pricing for women should eventually spill over to us in terms of even the private world because I've seen reductions in my own yeah pricing. Um, but I mean that's it, isn't it? There's, I don't see another way. You either you either wait or you go private. And I mean that that's lovely if you can afford it, and terrible if you can't. And yeah. But that, yeah, that's I mean, it. And I think sometimes it's, that's where you need to reach out for support and help. And, yeah. you know, because you need your, we need our posse around us to help those people that can't necessarily support themselves. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was, there was absolutely no way I was, I could afford to go private, even if, you know, ethically and morally, I agreed with the concepts. Mm. Um, and, but at the same time, there was no way I could afford to um, get anything on the grey market. Yeah. Um. So the only the only option I had was waiting. Yeah. Um and and you know, I, I was relatively lucky, like I say, that it only took me well, it was 14 months to my first first appointment and then another six or eight months until I actually got prescribed uh, estrogen and, yes. and blockers. Um and even that was really tough. Um and so I, I I am aware of people who even even now I I, I know a particular in particular a, a young woman who has been waiting over ten years yeah um and she is still nowhere near get even her first appointment with the NHS yeah and my heart absolutely breaks for her because. Yeah. If yeah, she she is beautiful now. Um, but you know, if when she was 12, 13, 14, she was given, you know, just puberty blockers and the and the testosterone was, you know, prevented from making irreversible changes to her body, yeah, she would be in, in an even better position. Yeah. And it's you know, I've Frankly, I think it's quite it's criminal. Um, it that is where the child abuse is taking place. It's not yeah. in, it's not you know in in 
forcing gender non-conforming girls to take testosterone and 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 say that they're they're men. Yes, and so and so you you're working. I mean, obviously, you're way down your journey, if not through it, and living a, a life that's not defined by being trans. I'm guessing you just live your life. Um, I try. Yeah, and and I think that's the dream, isn't it, for a lot of people? Because I do meet trans people where they they see the point of transition as being the somehow the end. That's it. That's it. I'll have, that's it. Yeah, I've achieved it, and it, and and people forget that it's being trans as part of your life, not your life. I mean, is is that your experience, or would you you have a different perspective? Um, I still identify as a trans woman. I'm proud of who I am, mm. and and you know, and my journey, and it's the all the major stuff is done. There are still areas that I have to work on. Um, I still have some internalized transphobia that i recognize um and yes but i have completely forgotten where i'm going with this statement um adhd for you uh, no i uh, was just I, I was saying that i was saying the point of you know the so you're you're identifying as a trans one which is absolutely yes right. but there's a lot of people who see that having achieved surgery or whatever it is yeah and they don't realize this is about fitting this into your life, not that the yeah. process of transition is your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, although, yes, although I am proud, I am a proud, open, openly transgender woman. Um, that is, a, you know, it's on the whole, it's a tiny part of who I am. Yeah. Um, I probably make a lot more of it than, you know, than arguably is healthy for me. Because uh, at work, uh, I'm pretty much there's there is one other openly trans person at work, right? Um, and in a in a in a place the size of the trust I work in, that's wrong. Frankly, mm. that I'm not saying that there definitely are other trans people there, but mm. you know, if there aren't, then. We need to look into why the why people aren't working there. Yeah. Um. So I I am you know I am the token trans at work. Yeah. Um. And and I am the one I I am the voice. Yeah. Sometimes whether I want to be or not. Yes. Um, and, do you, and do you think that do you think that's 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 it? But that could, it's interesting where you put presented that because actually that could be a positive thing couldn't it in terms of coming out at work as well as a a troublesome thing because it may it may well be that an organization has a vested interest in helping you in your transition because work's often a big challenge for people isn't it oh yeah i mean i started work there when i was when i was already living as ellen right. so uh they, they they had no knowledge of who i was beforehand right okay um, but I was very open about being trans from literally from the interview. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they hired me knowing exactly who I was. Yeah. Partly because I don't believe in hiding it and partly because I don't think I could. No. I don't think I pass well enough. For, you know, passing is a, is a something we can talk about as well. But, uh, I don't pass well enough to be seen as a cis woman. Yeah. I don't think. Um, but you know that is neither here nor there. I don't care. I am yeah. me. I am a woman. Whether you know whether I look like I don't know. Yeah, 
a, you, a you just look like you as far as I'm concerned. I look like me and you know and and I am a woman so therefore I look like a woman mm. so so talk to me a little about pa- passing because that's an issue that a lot of people wrestle with myself included and it's one of my mm-hmm. fears and it's one of my I'm sure lots of other people's you know uh, internal challenges so what what's your view on it um we shouldn't have to mm. um passing is is fundamentally transphobic mm. which is i know it's it's a that's a very strong statement to make um but the whole concept is that you know trans women look like you know a, a typical cis woman and therefore does not cause any hassle does not cause any issues nobody can t- I mean, nobody can tell anyway most of the time um and and so you know and so we just blend in and we are hidden away yeah um and by blending in and hiding away that's how we our rights are you know are, are slowly eroded because if we aren't visible and we aren't loud about who we are, mm, it's interesting. There's no way of us demanding our rights. Yes. Um. I, so like I said, I am. I am open. I've been open at work from day one, and one of the reasons I do that is to show that where I work is somewhere that is safe and welcoming for trans people to work. Yes. Um. And I have to say, I. 99 times out of 100 that is the case i've had almost no issues whatsoever there i've been supported and accepted and it's been great i say there's the odd there's been the odd issue um but you know they've all i'm i'm loud enough and bullshit enough to to stand up for myself well, there are people who are prejudiced against all sorts of different things. They oh, don't absolutely, have to be just yeah. prejudiced against us today. That, and I think that's the thing we forget. We can, we we can get quite self-absorbed by the journey and the process, oh, yeah. can't we? There's, no, it's, but I mean, it's it it's it's so it's shown so often um, that you know if you scratch an ant, someone who's anti-trans, you will also find somebody who's anti-Semitic, who is mm. racist, uh, who is homophobic, who is sexist. Um, if you look at, you know, uh, Kelly Jean Minchel, uh, her recent uh, gatherings in Australia, mm. where, you know, where actual Nazis turned up yeah. to support her. Yeah. Um, that tells you exactly what sort of people these, the, the, uh, these people are. And there are, and there's a group of, and it's, but there's like a, there's like a bell curve here because there are a lot of people who are just uneducated. Oh, um, yeah. I, I was I was very mindful of a post I'd seen you contribute on where someone had said something along the lines of, um, "We are very gender. We we know how to deal with all of you lot." Something along those lines. And the narrative that there's not enough education sometimes. So yeah. it's like it's like the classic, you know, I'm not racist. I've got a black friend. It's uh-huh. we, there's not enough of us to go around. And I think that goes back to your point. If we're all busy passing and hiding away and conforming to a stereotype about what a woman should be, which is which women don't contend to, you know, God, yes, to. So absolutely. why should we? So being yeah. loud and proud allows us to sort of come out and sort of fight the corner, doesn't it? And yeah. so most people don't mind being educated, but 
the problem is, of course, that sometimes we've become very the community can become strident if it lets itself if and and therefore the it turns into a fight rather than an educated well, I, process. I, I'm not sure that strident is quite the is quite the right word. I can be. It yeah. I, I'm still. I'm, I'm not sure. I quite agree with that. I I understand what you're saying. We can be. We can be loud and we can be, to a certain extent, quite aggressive. Okay, that's, that, I was avoiding that word, but you go there. <laughs> that is a symptom of, of us being constantly attacked and yeah. constantly um, denigrated. Um, I mean, you know, if, if you've heard somebody call you a, call you a groomer, for the tenth time today, and to misgender you, however many times, and this and that and the other, all the things which happen on a regular basis online, online mostly. Yeah, and I think, and I think that's really interesting, isn't it? Because there's this dichotomy, isn't there? Oh, good word. I'm, I'm on fire. Um, yeah. There's this, there's this We've duality. Got I know. I've been, been working this morning. There's a duality between the people in our experience who generally seem quite nice and encouraging, you know, there are idiots out there. If you go down to the street and there's a bunch of lads who are all drunk, they're going to be shouting at anyone. So there you go, male or female, no one feels necessarily straight safe. But it's the online communities where oh, the yeah. real vitriol starts, isn't it? Yeah, and, that, I mean, that's, and that's part of the problem, isn't it? That's, yeah, I mean, the online community has always been an issue, whatever. I mean, you always have trolls and you always have bigots who are allowed to, um, who feel able to unmask Uh under this, you know, under this this guise of of anonymity that that um, the Twitter specifically allows yeah. you, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I as I said, I the vast majority of people either don't care or are supportive. Yeah. So, so I suppose one of the key recommendations I have for myself is just. And I, I, I often feel I'm descending. I'm putting my feet into a cesspit when I get into Twitter. Oh, yeah. And therefore, you know, I limit myself to five minutes a day just to catch up with anybody who I actually like, who mm -hmm. said something of use, but then get off it. Because actually, it really isn't good for you, is it, anymore? Oh, even, it's even worse than it has been for a very long time now that yeah. um, now that Elon Musk has, has taken over and is, yeah. you know, and, and is in himself descending into the, into the realms of bigotry. Yeah. Even more so than he ever was. I was going to say, I'm not sure how much he had to descend. Um, um, he's got worse, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, but it, it was a low bar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I, it's, so stay it off it. I think that's it. I do. I do listen to people who are terrified to go out. They're living. They're trans in their bedroom because they're terrified to go out. And um, you know, you do get that thing. Well, for goodness sake, stay offline. You know, don't go online because it's not I, going to help in any to way. To be so. honest. I I am often nervous when I go out. Really, really. Still, um, I I have not been misgendered or anything like that for a very long time. But I am aware mm. that there is a level of bigotry that has increased in this country, um, essentially since since Brexit, the Brexit vote, which which seemed to give people a a license to voice their innermost thoughts yeah um i have been i've, I've been that i know people who have been physically attacked in mm. real life mm. um i have been i have been per, i've been verbally attacked i've never been physically attacked i've been verbally attacked 
um, I have been called a uh, I've been called a child abuser for the temerity of being out in public with my child. Wow. Which, you know, that kind of spoiled the day for me. Yeah, it would. And not great for the child, either, because actually it's, you know, no, people are no. just vile, aren't they? I mean, yeah. It was, and, it usually, was, it was... and usually the only compensation is the fact that the shouting is, is is a deformity in their own mental health normally, normally or an issue with themselves. And I remember people like Gary Vanacek say we should really pity these people, but, you know, I... Pity's just too strong. Yeah. Sometimes I think um, uh, I, there are better there are better responses. Uh, I, I am I'm loath to put it down to their mental health. Mm. Um because you know I it's a mental condition rather than yeah, mental it's, health. Yeah. It's I mean racism yeah, is a form of a mental it, conditioning. It's bigotry. Isn't it? Yeah, it well that's bigotry. a mental condition though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing is, the um, word mental health so abused, uh, that sort of semantic degradation that you get is the be- yeah. mental health become everything. Everything mm-hmm. like stress. It drives me nuts. The the way we abuse our English language. Yeah. Um, and then talking and I'm, you know, I'm talking to an, a, a, an author. And so, an you know, author. I've got to be careful what I say. So um, <laughs> yes, because so, I'm also incredibly pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned you we made made sort of reference to uh, a neurodiverse sort of condition there. Um, yes. Do you, do you find there is a, a sort of an overlap between the neurodiversity community and the trans community? Is that something that you've oh, yeah. discovered? And it, have you any views is... on why that might be? <laughs> um, right. So that's it. that's two questions. Yeah. Firstly, yes, there's a massive, there's, there does appear to be a massive overlap between neurodiverse people and the trans and trans people. Um, I, I I didn't know anybody who was autistic or ADHD or anything, or at least not openly so, before my transition. Yeah. I now know many, many people who are, and yes. you know, and they're all trans. Yes. Um, there are a number of theories about why this is. Um, the one I like most uh, is that being neurodiverse and having a a view of the world that is not the same as you know as neurotypical people um, almost allows you the freedom to explore and look at things from a different angle. Yeah. Um, and so therefore, you know, and gender is one of the things that is open for exploration. I have no, I, I, I don't, that, that's a very sort of rough version of the theory, but um, I think that, I think, I think that basically covers it, but I'm not entirely certain because it's, yeah, it's not really my area. It's also early days in the research as well. So it's, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's but quite it, interesting. I, there is, but the good thing is, noted, but... yeah. But the good thing is that we're we're building the language, the the narrative to discuss these things, so we can be open mm-hmm. about it. Because for so long, we before we have a name for these things, it's you know we can't discuss you know, we can't yeah. discuss it. And then once we've got a name for it, then all right, you've got the semantic degradation of woke. But at least we have you know we have we need these labels, we need these discussions. It's a bit like the pronouns argument, isn't it? And mm-hmm. uh, the the neo pronouns. It's it's you've got to have the language to be able to discuss something. Oh, yeah. 
You, and then once you have the language, you can agree or disagree, but at least we've got the language to talk about. It. And that's what's so wonderful about the English language is the evolution of the, the way we talk about things. And it's funny how a lot of the people who are, you know, sort of stuck uh, in this the idea, the idea of the binary and all that sort of stuff is they're stuck in everything, aren't they? The sort of mental fluidity oh, seems to be missing as well. You know, for yeah, gen, completely. Gender I mean, if I, yeah, it's, it's they they almost have this sort of Manichaean worldview of you know it is just black or white yeah. um not necessarily Manichaean but certainly Ayn Randian type uh, worldview. I used um, to love Ayn Rand, you know. I I've used to... never read Ayn Rand. That's fascinating. Nor I mean, do I have any desire to. I re- no, no, it's interesting. It's interesting, you see, because I like to read stuff that people you know talk about as being so terrible because mm-hmm. I find it fascinating. I remember being incredibly depressed because I couldn't be the person to live up to the ideal that Ayn Rand had come up with. And I would I was reading it as part of the therapeutic training, also going through okay. my own therapy. Absolutely fascinating. You really would must read um is it Atlas Shrugged, I think it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, book. I mean it's 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 something that I would sort of possibly be possibly be interested in. I mean, I'm sure I've told you before that I have a, I have every intention of living to living forever mm. because there are too many books for me to die. Yes, right. And um, and you know, at some point towards the end, towards the heat death of the universe, there will be no more books being published. Mm. And at that point, I will be able to catch up with my reading my to read pile. Yeah, and I've seen your reading pile, so it's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, and then once we get a few billion years in the future, I intend to have a reading solar system. <laughs> a great idea, wouldn't it? So. Given that you're part of this community um, and you've been authoring and beathering away in the authorage front, tell us about the book you've written and the one you're thinking about. So let's start with the one that's written and it's out there and people can get their paws on. I'm going to correct you. It's not just book. It is books. (gasps) Did you not know? I've written seven books. I thought it was just, you always used to talk about one. Yeah, that was the one I was working on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the current one. (laughs) Well, take us through some. Take us through okay. your, your, your passion. Right. So I'm mainly a science fiction fantasy author. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written, oh, let me think, three. Yes, I was thinking about T-Comics and Gender. That was the one I yeah, was well, thinking about. I shall get to that in a moment. Okay, go on. <laughs> so, yeah, I've written three not three science fiction fantasy novels, um, one of which my, my earliest one was a, a science fiction detective. Uh, called The Long Sleep. Yeah. Uh, then I wrote Down Among the Illa, which is a pure fantasy novel. Uh, then there was then then my third novel is Ghost Kin, which is a contemporary supernatural thriller set in Newcastle. Um, which was which I first which was the book I was writing when I started to transition. Oh. Um and I'll talk about that because there's there are links to to, to that in the, that. Uh, I've done two short story collections, um, which is stories from the corner of the room and all the books of Earth, which came out all the books of Earth came out last year, um, alongside T Comics and Gender. I wrote the two sort of side by side. Mm. T Comics and Gender is my memoir, um, oh. which I have which is subtitled Yet Another Fucking Trans Memoir. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I promise I won't try. I'll try not to swear too much. That's reported but, speech. That's fine. Go for it. Fair enough. 
Uh, and I've also written a children's picture book called The uh, Princess and the Elephant, oh. which is delightfully illustrated by my good friend Piper. Oh. So nice. get out there and buy all of them now. I've uh, told you the titles. You don't need anything else. And actually, you look at your um, the reviews, I and mean, you've got some stunning reviews. Standard, I mean, Ghostkin in particular seems to have really caught, and the long sleep, but that's been around longer, I think. But that yeah. really seems to have caught some you know, some imagination. It's, it sounds very, um, sorry, you, know, you should never compare authors because they get excited, but the, it sounds very, um, um, they say this is even worse. When you say I'm going to compare it to someone, then you can't remember the name of the person they're going to compare it to. That's really poor, isn't I it? I would um, compare it's in the same sort of area as somebody Benedict like Jacket. Ben... Oh, I don't know, don't know them. Oh, yeah, brilliant, 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 brilliant. brilliant. Oh, I, I, was, I was going to compare them to someone like Ben Aronovich. Oh, okay, yeah, yes, yeah, it's his Rivers of London series. Yeah, it's, I it's you know, it's it's different in that. My character, uh, the protagonist of Ghostkin, is is very much a villain. Um, she, uh, the, the basis of it is that back in World War One, the mental trauma of all the deaths in the Battle of the Somme ripped open a hole in space and time, oh. allowing all of the sort of mythical, fictional creatures to come into our world. So since then, we've been living with fairy and vampires and werewolves, and they've kind of become integrated into the world. Yeah. Um, the protagonist, Rachel, is a ghost kin, hence the title, mm -hmm. um, which is she is the daughter of a, a human, a, a living human woman and a ghost. Uh, and as such, she has the abilities of a ghost, so she can her, her spirit can leave her body and move around and interact with the world. Um, she's also trans, um, which was actually it was it's it's probably the least interesting thing about her. Mm. She's also a bank robber. Oh, okay, that's because, great. You know, yeah. If you can do that, then why not? Why not? I mean, you know, a trans master villain for goodness sake, why not? Hopefully, with a cat on the lap. <laughs> she's not so much a master villain. The, the basis of the, the actual story is that she gets caught up in a gang war between the, the, the local vampire crime lord and the local human crime lord. Mm. And many, many bad things happen to her. Mm. So now put the trans thing to one side, but yeah, yeah allude to it. I mean, mm. I find that people talk to me, I talk to lots of authors, and people talk about the cathartic nature of, whether you're writing a memoir where an autobiography or a biography or whatever, science mm -hmm. fiction, I mean, I write non-fiction, um, yeah. and it's not particularly cathartic, but a lot of people talk about the cathartic nature, the creativity, the the work that's involved, the losing yourself in the process. Yeah. Um, is this is this a use, is writing a useful process generally that you'd recommend for people who, um, who are, I mean, who are of any ilk? Is it something Absolutely. that everyone should try? Yeah, I, 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 I talk to people. I tell them about my writing, and and yeah, a lot of the time their response is, "Oh, I could never write. I don't have the imagination," which is, yeah, it's it's not true. Um, you may not have. You, you may not have the creativity of, you know, Stephen King or Terry Pratchett or Ursula Le Guin. Um, but, you know, nobody else does. Exactly. 
Um, and you know, you you may not have the strongest spelling skills or sp st strongest grammatical skills. Um, uh, but again, that doesn't matter. Um, the important thing is just putting something on the paper. I mean, getting your thoughts down. It's difficult to start with, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yes. And it is incredibly cathartic. Um, the 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 feeling the sort of the feelings I have when I when I have written something and I, and I know I've done some something something you know, even half decent is it's one of the best feelings I've ever had. It's just yeah, ironically, I don't quite have the words for it. Um, but 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 you're trying to describe the feeling, so it's it's true, yeah. isn't it? But it, but. And I think you said the key thing here. I, I used to talk a long time about the seven books I hadn't written. And so actually I had a deadline and sat down and wrote one of them. And mm -hmm. for, for me, because I'm writing nonfiction, it's, um, you know, having a deadline is quite handy. Having a conference where you have to hand the book out, I've discovered is a very big incentive because she's an awful lot <laughs> of fool if you don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's happened with the second book. And I'm just now doing the third book. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. that it, it's, it works. But I've not had the confidence to tackle nonfiction. And um, and I just wondered where you. Sorry, yes, I haven't got that confidence to tackle fiction. I just wonder where you got your inspiration from. I have always written, right? Almost literally from from some of my earliest memories are about writing. When I was in primary school, um, I wrote a short piece about my journey from home to school that day, and one line which is stuck in my memory from sort of ever since then is um it was it was in winter uh, uh, and i and i fell on my bum and it got numb <laughs> or something it, it, that's yeah. something along it was yeah uh and i've yes i have written my entire life yeah um so it's it's just natural for me um and it's funny these days because it's it's really we we sort of redefined the genre, haven't we? We defined the the process. It's now called content creation, and you're on the written side of it. But actually, there are people who are produce who who's telling me they can't write anything, but they're producing the most TikTok amazing TikTok videos yeah. or fantastic podcasts because audio is more their medium. Like myself, yeah. for example, I am absolutely. I mean, yeah, I I, I say right, but you know. Writing might not be your your forte. I mean, yeah. If you're dyslexic, then yeah, that's that could be a massive hurt. I mean, I I am aware there are dyslexic writers and there are very successful dyslexic writers. But we've got ChatGPT um, now, so we we don't never need to worry about this again because now we got um, apparently according to the AI people, we don't need to worry about creativity anymore because it's solved. So I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad to know that. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Anytime soon. So if, if you're going to uh, if you're going to suggest that, say someone wants to buy one of your books, which I very much hope they do, uh, wh which would you recommend to go? For, which would you recommend as the first one to tackle? Um, it depends on what you're after. I, I I have so far massively failed to write in any particular area. So I, I let's say I, I've written it's it's. I write mainly sort of, you know, fantastical stuff. 
Um, but it depends whether what what you want. Um, I would say probably my best my best piece of fiction is probably Ghostkin, mm -hmm. but that's because it's the one I've written. You know, it, it's the novel I wrote after I wrote the other stuff. Yeah. So it's the one I've had the most practice with. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Yeah. I think the thing I'm most proud of is probably T Comics and Gender, which we haven't really mentioned yet. Mm. Um but uh if you're looking for a for a good novel, yeah, Ghostkin. Yeah. And trigger warnings, about... it's trigger warnings and content warnings, it's incredibly violent. Um it's quite gruesome at parts and it's very very sweary and there's a little bit of sex goodness me. um but you know all in the best possible taste, oh, taste. i always thought at newcastle sex is what push people had their cold delivered in <laughs> and so tell us about tea uh, tell us about the memoir then tea tea comics and gender i was stuck on tea <laughs> i often am um yeah, I. It's it came about. It it's a book I wasn't actually planning on writing. Um, I was working on my uh my short story collection, all the books of Earth. Um, through over the lockdown period, and I I've written a few essays in the past um about trans issues, and one of the one of the essays I've written was, back when I was in. Uh, in the in the early stages of transition, while I was waiting to to get my first appointment, I was talking to another trans woman who was going to a different um, a different clinic, but she told me that one of the things she had to do was essentially write an essay about her life to sort of show her experiences and prove that she was trans in that way. Yeah. Um, this oh, had, this gave me like two separate feelings. Yeah. Firstly, I was really really angry that we were expected to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because you know, for all the things I've mentioned before, I, people may not have the the skill to write to write something like that for whatever reason. So it's incredibly ableist. Mm. Um, and in and you know and and very much. For people who don't have that 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 ability or that education level of education, no chance for them to do it properly. Yeah. But on the on the other hand, it was oh I could do that, and you know I I I knocked out a, a four thousand word essay about my life. Yeah. Up to that point, um, and I wanted to include that in um, all the books of Earth. Um, but I also wanted to update it and to bring it up to date. Um, so I thought, right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll add some more to it. I'll, I'll bring it up to like eight thousand words. Um, I got to around about twenty two, twenty three thousand words, mm -hmm. and was still nowhere near actually talking about my transition. Right. When I realised this is probably a book. Yeah. And yeah, it became. It was a. I think in the end, it's like a hundred and five thousand word book. Wow. Um, there's there's a lot of it which is taken from thing. So when I first started my transition, I started to keep a journal, 
So a lot of the journal, so pretty much all of the journal is yeah. has been transcribed into that, mm. along with Facebook posts and 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 this that and the other. So sort of memories specifically from that time. Yeah, and me talking about it as well as sort of dissecting what I had written and yeah. talking and going further into it. That's interesting that you kept a journal. Is that something you'd recommend? <laughs> Um, yeah, I kept a journal really badly. Mm. Um, it was very, very useful at the time. Um, what were you, what were you, I mean, the, people often say, oh, you should keep a journal. What should you do? What, what, how do you do it? What do you do? What do you write? I just wrote my thoughts and feelings about what was happening there, there and then. I mean, it was, it was, it was just, yeah, it was, it was literally just a piece of, it was me just downloading my my thoughts onto paper yeah um and, and it was on paper i, I wrote i hand wrote it rather than yeah. doing it on a, on a computer because it just it felt i don't know it felt more organic yes and um, that it was it felt more right to to yeah. do that sort of thing on paper yeah. uh so yeah the first time that I, I started writing it on the day that I came out to my now ex-wife, mm. um, and and actually when that and that's the day I I count my transition from, yeah, um, and I kept it going for probably what, two or three months, getting more and more mm. sort of um, get, writing less and less as time went on, and just sort of more time in between. So it served its purpose, in a sense. It, it served its purpose, yeah. and but you know, it was it was a it was a very very useful resource. Yeah. For. Uh, for the memoir in the end, which yeah. it wasn't written as that as such. I mean, you know, there's, as a I'm a writer, everything is is uh, grist for the mill. Yeah. But. Um. Yeah. It's. It was. It was just. I found it very helpful and very useful to be able to put my thoughts down when I wasn't able to properly talk about them to anybody else. Yeah. Well, it's been a joy. So if people want to get hold of you and find out more about you and get hold of your books, uh, how would they do it? Um, there is, if you, uh, so Linktree, um, it is Linktree... Sam, I cannot remember. Well, it's on Amazon. I know that for a start. They are just to on make Amazon. Life easy. Uh, they are on Amazon, yes. But uh... and do you mind if people hit you up on Facebook and say hello? And uh, can I find no, out more about not you? Not at all. Uh, yeah. So they're they're two um, places. Linktree slash Samarkand. Ah. Um, How do you spell Samarkand? Samarkand? S A M A R C A N D. Okay. Because I I publish my books as Samarkand books. Okay. Um, and there is a reason for that, but you know I'm not going to go into it, frankly. Okay. There you see, I'm all intrigued now. But enough, enough of that for another day. It okay. is it is specifically to do with my pre-transition uh, days. Okay. Well, look, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you, and uh, I'd love to I'd love to arrange another episode with you at some stage in the future I because I think it'd be fantastic to hear more. And just just hearing different trans voices and different trans experiences, I think it's so useful for people coming along behind and those who are in the future as well, who are 
you know, looking at this thing and figuring out how we support everybody in our community, whether hidden away, passing, or whatever the phrase might be, or right at the very beginning like myself. So thank you so yeah. much for spending time with us today, Alan. You're welcome. And, and once again, thank you for having me. I've had, a, I've had a wonderful time. Thank you. Take care. You too. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transvox. It's been a joy to have you with us. Um, if you want to um, make contact with us, you can contact us at gillian at transvox.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the work we do, please go to Patreon and go to page Transvox. And all of our money goes to our nominated charity. And Jen, you've chosen the charity for the next number of episodes. Which one have you chosen? Our charity is called Beyond Reflections, which is a charity that provides support and counselling to trans people, non-binary people and their friends and their families across the UK. An amazing charity doing some amazing work, really important. So please, if you can give. Great. And if you want to go and have a look at Beyond Reflections, it's beyond-reflections.org.uk. And uh, But as I say, if you'd like to make a contribution to what we're doing, because we love to help the people who help us. Uh, again, if you've got ideas for um, the show, things you'd like to ask us, questions, comments, applause, or um, brick bats, feel free to send it all Absolutely. in to Gillian at transvox.co.uk. Until the next time, goodbye. Bye-bye.